Hey there, tomorrow's leaders. I've got a great guest for you today, Evan Carmichael. This guy is a speaker around the world. He has uh, four books out, and he is a uh, has a YouTube channel with three million followers. And this guy has done it the right way, the real way. I actually, as uh, running Concord Wealth Management, used to show his videos on Monday mornings because he did such a good job of putting these inspirational videos together with lots of great nuggets. So I got uh, 25 minutes with him because he's a busy, busy guy, but we packed a lot into this interview. You're going to love it. Get ready to learn, take some notes, and you will hear from the master, Evan Carmichael. Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic, what makes the best leaders so good. Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related, related to leading yourself and leading other people. I'm John Lerito, your host today with a fantastic guest, somebody I'm real excited to have, Evan Carmichael. Evan is uh, listed by Forbes Magazine as one of the world's top 40 social marketing talents. He is a YouTube channel uh, with 3 million subscribers, a global speaker, an author. Evan, it is a pleasure to have you, my friend. Thanks for having me, John. Good to be here, man. Yeah, you were doing a lot. You were busy. I'm like, I'm, I'm curious to ask you so many different questions. I know we don't have a whole lot of time. What, what, what does a day in your life look like? I mean, you're all over the place. So one of the things that really helped me was having different things for different days. So I have my morning routine, which is every morning, but then we're recording this on a Thursday and Thursdays for me are what I call my public facing day. So I have my my Movement Makers membership in the morning where I'm doing training with my tribe. And then it's all day interviews and podcasts in Skype calls and uh, Zooms and basically 25 minutes on, five minute break, 25 minutes to the next one, five minute break all day. And I'm done at 11 tonight. Um, and so I like staying in the same energy. I find it really hard. I think humans in general have a hard time switching tasks, but especially for me where if you give me, say, hey, you can only write your book for 25 minutes and then get on a call and then, you know, do some admin work. And then I just, it just takes me too much time to switch tasks. Mm -hmm. So I think when you can stay in the energy, I'm, I'm coming in hot, ready to go because I've already been talking to other people before this. And then I'm yeah. taking John's energy and I'm going to use it for the next thing I'm doing right after versus if I'm going to write my book, I need a totally different energy. I need to be back to my introvert mode, calm, relaxed, like pensive, don't anybody talk to me. And so I think having different tasks on different days really helps me get a lot more work done. That makes a lot of sense. So you're working, number one, you're working a ton of hours. So you've got to maintain a lot of energy, high levels of energy. But but so you're really structured with your time. I mean, you don't, are there days where you just shift gears and you pivot and you do something totally different than you had planned? Or are you pretty disciplined with that? Almost not, but I, I, I plan that in. So for example, if I look at Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday is my YouTube day. I'm filming videos. You know, we got 13 channels or something. There's a lot of videos have to be recorded. So Tuesdays, don't email me, don't talk to me, don't like, I'm not doing any shows. I'm, I'm just banging out videos all day long. I'm in YouTube mode. 
Thursday is all day long doing this kind of stuff, right? Like just all day long. Wednesday is in the middle is totally open. Wednesday's a hundred percent free. Mm -hmm. uh, it's whatever I call it my project day. It's like, what do I want to work on today? Mm -hmm. What what's on my, I just had a crazy busy day yesterday and I got a crazy busy day tomorrow, which is going to be all filled with stuff that my, my assistant kind of already planned out months in advance. But today, Wednesday would be whatever I want to do. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's, there's only something I want to do. It's not like, I just want to lie on the couch all day. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, what project am I working on that I want to spend more time on? So I, I used to find that when I didn't have a time in my calendar for things, it would stress me out. Mm -hmm. So if I had an idea for video, but I didn't have a time in my calendar to process it, it would stress me out that I would, I would, I would feel like, what if I lose this idea and then I have to start working on it now, but that takes away from whatever I was supposed to be doing now. So knowing that I have time in my calendar to focus on that, um, I send myself an email and then when that day shows up, like here are all the ideas that I get to work on. So you're not so as stressed. That, that's yeah. super helpful. Yeah. That's, that's great. So you are, you know, and just to give you some, some props also, uh, you know, I, I, I knew you before we got a chance to obviously speak through your videos. I used to run a company and on Monday mornings, I'd play videos, motivational videos, and your videos were ones that I play a lot because you've done a fantastic job at packaging them and putting them together. Great, great content. Did you, I'm uh, curious to know how you got started and when you got started, did you, was this what you had envisioned? I mean, did you think at this point you'd be where you are uh, or did it just almost happen uh, unexpectedly? Yeah. So I think your purpose comes from your pain, right? I think the thing that you ultimately will feel the, the best doing is helping other people who currently are who you used to be. That'll fill you up for life. And so I started on YouTube in April 2009, so a long time ago, to make content for 19-year-old Evan who was making 300 bucks a month, a month as an entrepreneur and wanting to quit. You know, like I still make content for that guy because there's lots of people who currently are 19-year-old Evan and need the motivation, need the ideas. Um, I'm a visual guy. I, I like seeing it. So... The fact that I can see you is great for me. <laughs> if it was audio only, I'd, I'd have to be like this and mm -hmm. focused on every word because audio was the worst way for me to learn. And so in 2009, when I started sharing content, YouTube was the only visual place. Um, I didn't think uh, I didn't I'm not smart enough to think, hey, you know what? In 2009, when we get to 2021. Here's where YouTube's going to be. <laughs> mm -hmm. No idea, John. Um, but I felt, you know what, if I can help, if I can help some people who are like me, then it's worth it. Mm -hmm. it. It was a fun side thing that I did. You know, my first video in the first year had three comments on it. My mom, my older sister, and some random guy. And that random guy the fact that he left a comment meant something to me. You know, I was like, wow, somebody found my thing in my video. But in one year, only three comments and two of them were my mom and my sister, right? So <laughs> maybe not that great uh, of a start. But YouTube w wasn't the thing either. There was no influencers didn't exist. Uh, you couldn't make money off of a YouTube as a career. Like that didn't exist. It was just really trying to create something visual to help entrepreneurs who are struggling because that's where I came from. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're 
you've gotten a huge following. You've got 3 million subscribers on YouTube, which is incredible. You get about 3 million more than I do. You got a lot of people that are listening that are like, okay, I want to do something like this and build an audience. Is it really just come from putting out great content or there are different things that you figured out that helped you gain or get a lot more exposure and get your message out to more people? How did, how did that happen? Uh, so I guess with most questions is both, you know, you'd like to think that it's one or the other, but it's really a combination. It took me five years to go from zero to 7,000 subscribers, five years to get 7,000 subscribers, and then five more years to go from 7,000 to 2 million. So that's a pretty slow, I think a lot of people would quit if they only had 7,000 subscribers in five years on anything. Mm. Um, so one is just a consistency to keep showing up and to keep making content and to keep doing it. Cause you never know what's going to be the video or the episode that, that takes off um, Two to, to hone the skill and get better at it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big believer that the quantity leads to the quality. The more you do, the better you get. Um, you know, every interview you do, you get slightly better as a, as a interviewer. If you compare this interview to your very first one, I'm sure you've grown miles since mm-hmm. then. Um, and if you keep doing this for, for 10 years, you'll be the next Larry King. You'll be the voice of our generation. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and along the way, you, you learn hacks and you pick up tricks to understand mm-hmm. the platforms that you're working with. So, you know, YouTube is different than Instagram. It's different than TikTok. So I think 80% of it is, is showing up and learning how to make great content consistently. And the final 20% is the knowing the platform and the hacks and the hashtags and all that kind of stuff. A lot of people default to what's the hashtag that I need to use. And like no hashtag is going to save you if you're not consistently creating great content. Okay. So that's a great piece of advice. I mean, quantity leads to quality. So it's putting out a lot of stuff. Was there one video that did take off for you? Was there a turning point? Um, so one of the turning points was Kanye West. So I have a, I have a picture of him here behind my wall and he was the first top 10 that I did. A lot of people know me for the top 10 rules of success series that I've, I've done on YouTube, but I didn't start that until six or seven years in on my YouTube journey. And that video came because a friend of mine, Mark put out a blog post uh, attacking Kanye. And I said, you know what? You can learn from Kanye. Like it doesn't mean you have to agree with everything that he's done or said, but you can still learn from this guy that can make you a better entrepreneur. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to make a top 10 rules video of Kanye West success of how you can learn from him. And that was the video. And I, I threw away what I was supposed to be doing that day to work on this just to show my friend, Mark, Right. That's basically what it was. I mean, I was going to put on my public YouTube channel, which wasn't very big at the time, but just to say, Mark, watch this video. And people liked it. And then they said, hey, can you do Jeff Bezos and Dame Dash and Jay-Z and whoever? And I thought, you know what? I, I can do that. Like that was fun putting together. I could keep doing that. And so I think when you can merge the what you love doing with what the audience is interested in, that's when you start to have success, right? Mm-hmm. If you love it, but nobody cares, you've got a hobby. Mm-hmm. And that could be a fulfilling hobby, but it's just the hobby. Mm-hmm. And if you're only chasing what's hot and trendy, but you don't actually care about it, you're always going to lose because you're going up against people who love that thing. Mm-hmm. But it's in that intersection of what you love doing with where there's actual demand for it. 
that you can create something really unique and special. And so the Kanye West video was supposed to be kind of a waste of my day, throwing away just to show to my friend Mark, watch this video and learn. (laughs) (laughs) And it ended up spawning this iconic thing that became a big part of my brand. Wow. Um, A lot of things didn't work. You know, that was just one of the ones that actually did. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a fascinating story. And it is true. I mean, you figured out a great formula as somebody who was running a business that wanted to get an audience of my people watching motivational stuff. You had to, I'd searched all different types of stuff to find something on Steve Jobs and put some, and you'd packaged it so well that it was great content in a short period of time. So, but I love that. It was almost an accident. You stumbled into what then became a really great, successful formula for you. Um, I know your mission is to solve the world's biggest problem, which is untapped potential and and ultimately people believing in themselves. You're a guy who's done something that, uh, you know, fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percentage of people can do. I know that's a tough question to answer, but um, what is it about you, do you think, that you do that's just different or that other people just, you don't see them do that has gotten you to where you are? The one that comes to mind is just consistency. Um, I'm an introvert. It doesn't come across in videos like this, but normally I'm an introvert. Uh, I don't I don't crave attention. I don't need to be the center of the attention. I actually don't like it. Um, go back and watch all my first videos. They're they're embarrassing to go back and look at. They're all still there, so you can see the journey of awkward introvert, shy Evan trying to make video content. Uh, I think most of your audience could look up video number one and make better content than what I made. The difference is I just stuck with it. You know, we're 7,000 videos later here on the channel, 11 or so years later, most people don't want to stick with five years of uh, growth of 7,000 subscribers after five years. Like most people quit. And I think the thing that like, so how, how do you stay consistent? It was always about who I was serving and still is. It's about who I am serving, not who I'm not. I think it's a big shift because we tend to focus on all the people. You compare ourselves to somebody else. Like, well, look at all the people they're serving and I'm not good enough and I'm not there yet. As opposed to focusing on the people who did watch it. So if you you were to give a speech at a library and 100 people showed up, for a lot of people, they're like, oh my God, 100 people are here? This is crazy. I'm going to... Speak in front of a hundred people, you get all nervous and excited. But if a hundred people watch your video, say, "Oh, only a hundred people saw this thing." Like, I don't know, should I keep going? Should I keep doing it? I just always focus on those hundred people who are there instead of the million who aren't, mm-hmm. and just feeling the feeling grateful that they tuned in and they found value in it, mm-hmm. and that let me keep going. Um, maybe it was because at the beginning I didn't I didn't have aspirations to be a YouTuber or an influencer or have a big community, but still just focusing on whoever's watching, listening to this, whether it's 10 people, a hundred people, a thousand people, 10,000 people. Thank you. You know, like that means a lot to me. And that's where the focus has always been. I think that allowed me to stay consistent. Man, that is such great advice. I know I deal with that too. It's like you're speaking to, you know, a camera or a microphone and you don't get feedback. You don't really, you get comments over time, but that, that fuels you. And, you know, especially for somebody who might be at an early stage of starting a business or anything, you don't necessarily know what impact you're having at all the times until you start getting that feedback and it comes to you. And you're right, you got an audience there that's really getting value. So whether it's 100 or 10 million, you're impacting people. 
in a big way. I know you speak on you know my favorite topic, which is leadership. That's what the uh, the focus of this podcast. You speak all around the world on the topic. Um, you've got a lot of leaders right now that are really struggling. I mean, you've got you know all these different things going on with the pandemic. With if somebody's listening to this at some point in the future, we're at the end of 2020. Um, what are you What are you teaching leaders right now? What is the thing that they need to be doing right now more than ever, based on what's going on? Uh, the two things that come to mind is one, wanting people to win more than you want them to win with you, which is which is how I would even define leadership. I think leadership equals wanting the people on your team to win as humans more than you want them to win inside your company. And when people can feel that, then you have not just their brains, but you have their heart and soul. And sometimes that may mean even pushing people out of the company to say, hey, like you, you need to go and do this thing because you believe in a greater potential for them than they can see inside themselves, but you can't create that path inside your organization. And so the best thing for them is to actually leave and to have the courage to, to kick out a high performer for them to go and actually have a better life is something that net benefits your organization because everybody believes that you have their best interest in mind where most people wouldn't think that their boss actually cares about them as a human. They care about their performance inside the organization. And so when you can transcend that, um, you get just a lot more out of the people on your team. Um, And the second thing, especially inside COVID era right now, is showing the struggles that you're going through and your willingness to show up. I think part of leadership historically has been, don't show any weakness. I have all the answers. I'm perfect. And, And leading from the front, Uh, and pretending like you have it all figured out and that's what's going to inspire people to kind of follow you. And uh, I think the new generation of leadership and especially in kind of a COVID era right now is showing, no, I'm I'm actually afraid of where things are going to go and what we're doing and and I don't have all the answers, but I'm showing up. Mm -hmm. And the, the willingness to show up becomes the inspiration. Mm -hmm. So the willingness to share what you're struggling with. Like, what are you, how are you dealing with the pandemic and working from home or the impact it's had on the business and letting me, if you pretend like everything's okay and, and then I'm your worker and I feel like everything is falling apart and I don't know what to do with my life, I can't relate to you anymore. And if I can't relate to you, I can't follow you. I need to feel like you're, you're a normal human being, but who is taking the courage to show up. Right. So where are you struggling? How is it impacting you? And then still having the courage to show up every day and do it. Mm-hmm. That becomes the rallying cry and the inspiration of the people on the team to say, okay, you know what? If John can do it and he's struggling with that, mm-hmm. I can do it too. I agree with you hundred percent. It's about being authentic and that's not, you know, putting up this false persona. Uh, you've written four fantastic books. I know your most recent uh, book built to serve uh, came out, I think March of this year, actually right at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, yeah, I was doing, I was supposed to do a book tour. It got canceled. It's like, okay, no book tour happening. <laughs> oh, wow. Man. Well, tell, tell everybody what, uh, what's the book about and what can they expect? Uh, built to serve. The concept is humans are built to serve. So if you're not happy, it's because you're not serving. Serving others is hardwired into us and you want to feel you as a leader, but also the people on your team, they want to feel like they're waking up every day and they're about to do something that has a meaningful impact on somebody else. It's hardwired into us. And so if, if you or your team feel like today doesn't matter, 
and that happens consistently, like that's the path down depression where a lot of people are right now because they wake up and feel like, I don't know, nobody really cares if I show up. My boss might yell at me for not showing up, but I don't really care because I don't feel the connection to the work um, where if you can switch that and make people feel like, no, today matters for you yourself. Like leadership starts with self-leadership for you to feel like today matters, that you're going to create something today that will matter. And we all have our own products, right? You have your show. I have my channel. Other people are making widgets or cars or whatever, but like this is going to impact somebody's life today. And then if you feel that you can give that to your team so that they feel the connection to the end result of what they're doing. A lot of times on a team, the people doing the input, they, de- they never see the results. They just see themselves punching the numbers and moving that spreadsheet over here and they don't see the connection. So that's your job as a leader is to help them see, like, look at the lives we changed today and, and thank you for being a part of it. And that can easily come across as uh, fake or platitudes if you don't actually feel it yourself. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I love you guys. We did something important today and we're going to do something important again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So the book is about finding it, understanding that your purpose comes from your pain. You want to help people. And so do all the people on your team. They want to help people and feel connected to the work that they're doing every day. Mm, That's a great point. I think a lot of great top A players leave a company or leave a leader or an organization because they just don't feel, they don't understand that or they don't feel they're really making that big impact. So uh, that's a great topic. It sounds like a great book. I'll definitely be picking it up. Uh, If people want to get a hold of you, they want more information, why don't you share how they do that? I'm Evan Carmichael on most uh, social platforms. So you can, you can just search up Evan Carmichael and you can probably find me, um, YouTube, Instagram, all, all that fun stuff. Okay, great. And you have a couple, uh, just on a personal note, you got a couple of world records, right? Yeah. So we did, um, world's largest mentoring session. So, uh, I'm in Toronto, Canada. And so we had, uh, I forget how many, there were however many mentors, like a couple hundred mentors and a couple hundred mentees. And it was speed mentoring. So we had uh, three to four minutes with each person, <laughs> which is not a lot of time to mentor somebody. And so I was one of the men, uh, mentors. And then like every three, four minutes is somebody new kind of swapping seats. It's like, okay, tell me what you do. <laughs> How can I help? <laughs> you know, trying to go as fast as possible because you don't have a lot of time to hear their story and give advice. But, um, you know, fun for charity, for good cause. And then the other one was... Um, we built the world's largest QR code, and there's a group here. Um, Jane and Finch is an intersection in Toronto that has a lot of poverty and crime and not the best part of town. And uh, there was a group here that was trying to help people get off the streets into their own business, uh, become entrepreneurs. And so I was a mentor to that program. And to raise money for it, we uh, went to a soccer field and recruited a whole bunch of volunteers, and we each held up a black or a white um piece of cardboard that then became a QR code when we all kind of lined up on a soccer field and we held it up above us like this. And then an airplane came over and took a picture of, of us all standing there and it became a QR code that people could scan and then donate to the organization. Um, so just a fun way to get uh, some media attention for a good cause. Wow. I love it, man. That's creative. That's fun. Good stuff. Well, listen, I know we're uh, out of time here. It has been a pleasure having you. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, I know your time is valuable. So I know the audience appreciates it too. So thank you, John. Thanks yeah. for having me, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. And thanks everybody for joining today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader. I uh, hope you've enjoyed Evan Carmichael, who is author, leader, influencer, speaker, uh, changing the world. 
So uh, make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you share, subscribe, add comments, and of course, go down below, give five-star review. Love to get your thoughts on future topics and guests as well. Thanks for joining today. Take care. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P.com. Thanks. Lead on.